0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 892 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. I am the managing editor of Peachtree Hoops, as well as a staff writer for Dime at UpRocks, covering the NBA, college basketball, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And thank you as always for joining me on the podcast. I know I might have some new listeners today after the regular season opener for the Hawks and welcome aboard, but we'll have plenty to get to on the podcast. We will center most of the talk this evening on what transpired on the court, where the Hawks got a blowout win. Over the Bulls, only by 20 in the end, but they led by as many as 40 points in this game. It was very, very lopsided. We'll go through all the machinations that transpired in this game. But I do, I do want to tell you at the top of the podcast to go ahead and listen to other podcasts that I've done in the last couple of weeks. I had Sarah Spencer join me of the, of the AJC. Josh Lloyd was on the podcast, Glenn Willis, Ben Ladner, Tyler Jones, Robbie Calland, many, many more. A lot of that's still relevant. I know the Hawks are playing basketball now. Uh, one game's in the books, but a lot of that stuff is broad. It's uh takeaways, it's analysis. And it's all still relevant, so catch up up on that that element of the podcast. Please subscribe and all of that fun stuff. Okay, we'll get into the game itself momentarily, but I want to talk about the uh, injury stuff first, sort of going chronological order here. There was the big story before the game, before the Hawks blew out the Bulls. There was a big story in the fact that Clint Capella was not playing in this spot. He was listed on the injury report with left Achilles soreness uh, before every single preseason game as well but never seems never to be necessarily in real doubt to actually play in the game. Now, I will point out, as a reminder, that Capella missed the end of last season and uh, a lot of the summer with the right Achilles injury. Um, and this this time around, it is the left Achilles that's bothering him with some soreness at this point in time. But he was listed as doubtful originally on Tuesday, and then uh, I talked about that a little, a little bit yesterday on the podcast, but then he was ruled out earlier in the day about 2 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday Lloyd Pierce did not give any details at all on Capella in his pregame um, talk with the media. I than to say that Capella was sore, some very very short answers from Lloyd. So I'm not really sure beyond that. He did he did sort of downplay it a little bit as a long term concern. But we we don't, we not we we'll not know about Capella's status anymore until at least you know tomorrow they have practice. Maybe he'll, maybe they'll sort of expand at that, at that point in time. But we're kind of guessing at this point. Um, I will say people were asking me why that he would play in the, pre- in the preseason and not play in this game tonight. I'm very, very confident that they would not have played him in the preseason if they thought that he might be unavailable tonight. So it wasn't like one or the other, like a prioritizing kind of thing. Um, obviously, Pierce just said he was sore. So we'll see. We're all guessing. They're not always going to be as transparent as humanly possible on that kind of stuff. But I think it's fairly obvious that the Hawks did not foresee Capella missing the opener given that he played in the preseason game on Saturday, so something changed, soreness there, and I will say they have every reason to be cautious with with Capella at this point in time, so if there was any doubt whatsoever about him playing in this game, The real decision would be to sit him there. I would agree with that. Obviously, we do not know all the information, but that's kind of where I would be for now. It's not a panic time situation for me. Um, If he's not playing Saturday, then maybe you raise more eyebrows against the uh, Grizzlies in that game. So we'll come back to this later on. But that that left the Hawks kind of shorthanded in this game. It didn't matter, quite obviously, as the Hawks dismantled the Bulls. But without Rondo, without, um, you know, Sol- uh, not Solomon Hill, without Chris Dunn and Nakong Wu and Tony Snell, they were pretty short-handed. Only had 12 guys available, and all 12 played, for the record, including the two um, the two way guys that got into the game in this spot. So I did say before the game on Twitter that I think the offensive personnel was still quite good in this game. That kind of showed out in a way that um, almost was above and beyond what I thought it was going to be in the first half of this game. But. It's a pretty offensive explosive lineup still available without Capella, without Dunn, without Kongwu. Those guys are all defensive first players at this point in time. Rondo is offense first, but with all the playmaking that they have now with Bogdanovich with and with Herter and Reddish, etc., they don't really have a huge drop-off when, when Rondo's unavailable to play. So it was really the defense that was, that was the concern coming in without Capella in particular. Um, that end of the four was not quite as good as the offense in this game, but they wanted to actually uh, sort of, I would say, a pretty interesting decision lineup-wise. It surprised the people. I was not personally too surprised by this, but they decided to start Reddish and Hunter together in this game um, at the two and the three alongside Gallinari and Collins at the four and the five, which, of course, means that Bogdanovich, fresh off the four-year $72 million contract with a player option, did not start his first game with the Hawks. Now, Again, I'm not surprised by this. I've been talking about this for quite a while now, but if you're a new listener, my overall stance is that starting lineups are overrated as a uh, as a something that actually matters a ton. McDonavich played quite a bit in this game. He's going to play quite a bit, obviously. I think especially, though, uh, given that Capella was out, the Hawks probably need some defense, honestly. So uh, going with both Reddish and Hunter helped that quite a bit. They're better defenders than McDonavich is. And then you sort of go all offense with, uh, with Trey and Collins and Gallinari. So... I think the pairing of that makes some sense. I'll be interested to see if they go to Bogdanovich as a starter when Capella is back in the lineup. Um, But obviously, they can mix and match. That's kind of my overall message is that the Hawks are going to be tinkering for a while, figuring out combinations. It worked quite obviously in this game. It worked very, very well. Also, that allowed the Hawks to play their wing defenders on Zach Levine in this spot, which is always helpful. Not having to have Trey Young uh, sort of get get, um, um, picked on a little bit Defensively in this game, although he actually was pretty good defensively in this game. But if you, if you start Young and Bogdanovich against a backcourt of Kobe White, who struggled in this game, I will say, uh, and Zach Levine, that's not great matchup wise. So matchups, it all kind of made sense to me, quite frankly. Uh, I think Bogdanovich is a good player and obviously a starting caliber player. I saw some people like sort of panicking, and that's the nature of game one of any any season for any team. Is that if you start a guy, if you don't start a guy, or start a guy that's a surprise in game one, everyone is going to assume, especially especially nationally, is going to assume this is some sort of sea change in the rotation. And oh my goodness, but I'm just not starting. What's gonna, what's going on in Atlanta? And I would not say that at all. I think that's important to point out. If he starts on Saturday, I won't be surprised. If he doesn't, I guess I won't be shocked either. But it's just one of those things where I'm not gonna tell you that's it. That's a big deal right now. Also worth pointing out that without Rondo and, and Goodwin, not, uh, actually break Goodwin was on the injury report in this game, he actually ended up playing quite a bit. But that also makes even more sense because what Mitch mentioned, sort of the backup point guard in that respect. So maybe that allows you to run the second unit a little bit easier rotation-wise, etc. So I've been begging the drum for weeks and months that starting lineups are overrated and the Hawks would use different combinations. I stand by that now. That's pretty, uh, pretty obvious to me even before this night, but I will uh, reflect on that even more after what they did in this game. So That's a long preamble, I know, but I wanted to tackle all that, some broad stuff coming out of the uh, pregame festivities. After a quick break, though, we'll get into the blow-by-blow of what was a fantastic performance for the Hawks, at least for three and a half quarters in this spot. But uh, first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is winding down, and the playoff picture is becoming much more clear by the day, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust for all of our handicapping needs on this podcast, and that is BetOnline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the fantastic opening week and Christmas Day slates in the world of the NBA, there's a jam-packed slate of college basketball games almost every day, and college football is still in the center of the sporting landscape with bowl games and, of course, the upcoming playoff that's on the way very, very soon. And from there, Week 16 of the NFL season is coming this week, and there are some fun matchups to handicap from Vikings Saints to Colts Steelers, Rams Seahawks, and even Falcons Chiefs. Beyond that, there's a full menu of offerings from BetOnline on any sport you can think of. They even have player props, live wagering, futures, and exotic offerings. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action with BetOnline.ag today. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so if you're new listener to the podcast, we will uh, always go sort of blow-by-blow blow with the games that transpire here. So I will go through some notes that I had quarter-by-quarter you know, section by section, et cetera, kind of go through what transpired here. So the first quarter was obviously lights out. The entire first half was lights out for this Hawks team. A uh, Cam Reddish floater was the first bucket of the season for Atlanta. Atlanta, I thought, ran some interesting offensive stuff in this game, especially early on. They ran some double drag, which we discussed on the podcast with Glenn Willis last week. Um, It looked different than the preseason, which I was trying to tell you, as was Glenn, that they were not trying to show all their stuff in the preseason, and they went sort of back to what Trey Young does well, and uh, spoiler alert, he was fantastic in this game. Um, but that was sort of the theme of the early going. The Hawks scored 20 points in the first three and a half minutes of the first quarter, which is obviously just ridiculous. They opened 8 of 9 from the floor. Trey was 3 of 3 with two assists. Uh, he looked fantastic early on. That continued. He had a nice lob to John Collins for a three-point play and some great tempo for the Hawks on both, on both ends of the floor. There's a 14-2 overall run. By Atlanta to go up by 12 in the early going. Um, After a break, they had a nice high-low pass from Gallinari to Reddish for a nice layup on a cut. Um, The Hawks scored 1.86 points per possession all the way to the first TV timeout, which is a long time, all things considered. They were just kind of lighting the world on fire offensively. Um, Rotation-wise, they went to Bogdanovich first off the bench, coming in for Hunter, and then Solomon Hill came in shortly after that for Collins with Gallo going to the 5. The Bulls did kind of respond a little bit to that, but Gallinari scored 5 points in a row to sort of stop that bleeding a little bit. They uh, rotationally were pretty shallow when the game was uh, in doubt in this game, playing eight or nine guys for the most part. That was the case in the first quarter. They did, uh, I, mean, I, I can note all kinds of plays that Trey Young made in this game, but one of them that I thought was noteworthy to just kind of break out of his funk that he was in the preseason was a step-back three on Archie Diakono in the early going that was uh, quite nice. Uh, he played the first 10 minutes. He had 12 points, had three assists, and actually was playing around on defense as well. Um, they went to harder than as I said before, when Trey left the court. But I thought it was just kind of important that the Hawks come out, set a tone offensively. They're not going to shoot that well always in the first quarter, but they, they really were flying around. The energy was just at a totally different level. The pace, the tempo, they were definitely ready to play in this game, which is always a question for this team in the last couple of years, is whether they'd be ready to go out of the gate. Not a concern here whatsoever, and Trey was lights out from the beginning. Um, in the first quarter overall, the Hawks scored 42 points on 16-24 from the floor and only one turnover. They averaged 1.53 points per possession, which, just for comparison's sake, last year's season um, sort of defining offensive performance was from Dallas. Dallas scored about 1.16 points per possession for the season, so 1.53, ridiculously good. Um, Defensively, it wasn't quite as good, but even then, the numbers were pretty good, actually. They allowed the Bulls to to shoot 40% from the floor and 2 of 11 from 3. I will say the Bulls missed a lot of, I think, makeable shots really the entire game. I think the defense for the Hawks was not quite as good as the numbers probably indicate because Chicago was pretty bad in this game, but it was not a disaster, and they played nine guys. Also, the 42 points in the first quarter was the most scored in the first quarter of a season opener in franchise history for the Hawks. Uh, We'll have more history momentarily, but uh, it continued, spoiler alert, into the second quarter. They came out, actually, in the second quarter after, after turning the ball over only once in the first quarter. They actually played pretty bad in the first like two minutes of the second quarter. They had three turnovers in a row, but the Bulls didn't take advantage, and that was kind of the end of the game, quite frankly. The Bulls um, could have cut the lead there. They didn't. Herter hit a three. Kevin Herder did to go up by 14, and that forced a timeout. And then out of that timeout, the Bulls missed some more chances, I think, to cut into the lead. And then Bogdanovich um, sort of broke out with an 8-0 run by himself with two threes and a fast-break layup. And then uh, in short order... It was out of hand. The Hawks played some good zone defense, sort of a 3-2 look with uh, either Cam or DeAndre or both at the top of the zone, and they ran a bunch of that in the second quarter. Um, a nice drive and finish that I made note of from Reddish as well. He had some nice moments in this game. Then a 13-0 run by the Hawks to go up by, by a 74-46 margin, and that was basically the end of the game. Um, they they led by you know a ton. They scored 40 in both quarters, which just kind of never happens, quite frankly. The first half, they shot 66% from the floor. And 10 of 20 from 3 with 15 assists. 83 points before halftime. They tie the franchise record. Yes, the franchise record for points and a half with 83. Also, they uh, they scored at 1.48 points per possession, which is just ludicrous. Last year, there were two games, full games, in which the Hawks scored 86 points in a full game. Tonight, they scored 83 points in the first half. And uh the balance was impressive, too. Like It wasn't like it was a 50-point quarter. 42, then 41, so uh, pretty just balanced and dominant offensively. Troy Young, I said this on Twitter, I think I still believe it. He might have had the best half of his career in terms of overall level of play in the first half. He's obviously had some bigger moments in second halves with the game on the line and some comebacks and all that stuff. I I, I will totally grant that. I'm talking about just overall total command, overall performance, both ends of the floor, efficiency, etc. He had 27 points on 14 shooting possessions in the first half with 5 assists. He, I thought he competed defensively. He was just pretty much perfect in the first half. Lloyd Pierce kind of joked after the game on Zoom that there were two or three plays that he could recall um, that Trey did not do perfectly well, but then he kind of followed that up by saying, look, if there's two or three plays that I can remember, that means he was incredible, which is basically the case. Like, Trey was absolutely you know, near flawless. You can't say too much about the way that he played. He was just completely ridiculous in this game in the best possible way in the first half, and really the entire game. Um, elsewhere in the half... Collins had 12, Reddish and Gallagher had 11 each, 8 for Bogdanovich, 6 for uh, Hunter, 8 for Herter. They forced 11 turnovers before halftime, and again, I think the defense was not particularly awesome before halftime, which is to be expected, again, without Capella and Dunn, etc., but they did enough, and when the offense is going the way that it was, nothing else matters, quite frankly, and uh, if you're going to score 80 and a half, you're going to be in good shape. Um, after halftime, we will have less detail because the game was pretty much over um, with a within a, just a few minutes. They actually had a coach's challenge successfully by Pierce early in the third quarter on a foul that was on Collins originally. They swung it actually back to Zach Levine for his fifth foul, and then the Hawks got a dunk on the next trip off a really, I I, I thought it was a pretty gorgeous uh, set by Pierce coming out of that that, um, stoppage. And then (laughs) at one point, Trey Young had 33 points and only nine field goal attempts in 19 minutes of play. He was getting in the line, he was hitting threes, all that stuff. Um, a layup by Bogdanovich put the lead at 36. That was the 100th point of the game with 5.58 left in the third quarter. And the Hawks led by 40. Yes, 40. With 16 minutes left in the game on a big dump by Bruno Fernando. So, from that point forward, it was obviously over. They only one that won this game by 20 points, so I don't, I don't want to belabor it too much. But for basically two and a half, two and three quarters, quarters, the Hawks led by 40 points. Um, they had eight guys, no, sorry, sorry, seven guys in double figures and only two minutes left in the third quarter. It was balanced. Through three quarters, they scored 111 points. They shot 62% from the floor. 45 points. Sorry, 45% from three. And they took 28 free throws through three quarters. Now, the fourth was pretty much garbage time the entire way. The only real mystery, quite frankly, in the last uh, quarter was when they, when they, uh the Pierce would actually go back to Collins and Young, etc. They did go back to those guys to open the fourth quarter up by 32 points. Um, part of that, for me anyway is that they only had 12 guys available, and also they just hadn't played all that much together. Collins at that point had played 13 minutes. That's how little they had played to be dominating that much. So they brought those guys back in for a few more minutes. That was probably the right call in a lot of ways. Got some more reps out of them. But they came out of the game with about, um, I will say about seven minutes to go, up by 32. And from there, it was all Chicago to make the lead look a little bit less impressive, but still um, a dominant performance. I think the third quarter defense was actually one of the bright spots for me. As I said, I think the defense overall was not fantastic in this game. But third quarter was pretty solid for Atlanta. They were uh, high intensity, which is kind of impressive, and Pierce seemed to be pleased with that as well after the game. Like not come, you know, it's easy to come out of the halftime break there when you're up by 20 plus and not be dialed in. But the Hawks were defensively. Um, they weren't quite as dynamic offensively in the second half. But third quarter was fine. They still won 28 to 20, and I think that was the high water mark for for me defensively in this game was the third quarter. So. Yeah, I mean, lots to get to individually, but uh, broadly speaking, the offense was ridiculous. Even with the garbage time in the fourth quarter, the Hawks scored a 1 point, 1.17 points per, per possession for the game. They held the Bulls to less than a point per possession. Um, they shot great. Um, too many turnovers, but a lot of those were late, so no real concerns. Uh, a fantastic outing for the Hawks. Overall, that's not breaking news to anybody, but we'll talk about the individual play in a moment but again you don't want to go too high or too uh, low in any, in any case I'm a big proponent of kind of staying level throughout the course of a long NBA season but you have to be excited with the way the Hawks play offensively in this game full stop I was joking a little bit about this but you know it was kind of like the sky was falling at, at points in the preseason on Twitter, uh, in my in my mentions or in, my, in the email that we have for this podcast, on uh there were some frustrated people out there that were kind of worried and uh, sort of softened expectations, etc. And then, of course, by halftime of this game, it's like the Hawks are going to win the championship. So it's always funny, but they they played great. I mean, there's I'm not trying to for once I'm not going to run on the parade a little bit here. The Hawks played fantastically in this game. They had to follow it up on Saturday. Everyone was pleased. Quite you know, it's very easy to see why. We'll see how they play on Saturday against Memphis, but um, broadly speaking, you can't ask for more, and we'll talk about the individual players momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. All right, we'll dive in here to the individual play, as we always do on the podcast. Some notes, uh, everyone was good, for the most part, that played real minutes in this game. The uh, last five minutes of the game were played by Nathan Knight and Skylar Mays. I'm not gonna pick those guys apart. They were not great, but they're you know, congrats to them for making their rookie debuts as two-way guys. Um, future's bright for those guys. So congratulations to them. Uh, Brandon Goodwin did not play fantastically. He played 13 minutes off the bench. He was the kind of guy who's really the only guy in the rotation that did not play in the spot. Again, they had 12 guys available. Really, really only 10 guys off the main roster, and they played nine for the most part. Gowin played um, as a. Uh, a very, very short, like defensive replacement for about a few seconds in the first three quarters, and then he sort of came in late and played a lot. So he was not fantastic, but he had four assists. There was not, was some nice flashes for Brandon in this game. Um, Bruno Fernando had a rough first stretch, but was better after that. They sort of used him uh, in the way that he could possibly be used as sort of a uh, you know, DHO guy, etc. Uh, defensively, he played hard, I thought, had 5.7 rebounds, two steals, and an assist. I thought he was just fine for Bruno, which is all you can ask for. Um, I was interested to see what they were what they were gonna do with Bruno. Um, I wasn't sure that he was gonna play a ton, and he probably wouldn't have played as much as he did if not for the blowout nature of this game. But he he got in the game when it was still when it was still competitive, so they didn't go away from him entirely. But the, you know, the first stretch they went to Solomon Hill as sort of the third big. And he played more in this game. That was indicative. I think that Solomon Hill is just better than Bruno. They're not like one versus one positionally. But considering both Collins and Gallinari could play the five, um, I think it was pretty obvious that Pierce trusted Hill a little bit more than Bruno, which makes sense. He's a better player at this point in time. Although he was quiet. Solomon Hill, while we're, while we're here, did not score. In this game, he's the only guy other than uh, Mason Knight that didn't score in 28 minutes. Only took three shots, missed all three threes, but had three rebounds, uh, had a block shot. He was just himself, calling out, de- calling out defensive stuff, being in the right place at the right time. He wasn't great, but he was he was out there and doing the right stuff that you would want. Bodanovich, 15 points, seven rebounds, two assists, and a steal in 25 minutes. He was 5 12 from the floor, 3 bait 8 from three, so reasonably efficient. Nothing crazy. That's the line three times. Um, he had most of his damage was done in about a three minute stretch, but uh, you know he's he's under control. Pierce sort of praised him for always being sort of steady, um, playing at his own pace, etc. I thought he played just fine off the bench. And Kevin Herter, I thought was good in this game. Like nothing overwhelming in terms of numbers. Eleven points, four assists, and a steal in twenty seven minutes. But I thought he was pretty solid on uh, both ends of the floor by his standards. 2-6 from, from three, four of ten from the, from the field. Again, nothing crazy. It was actually just a net a uh, net neutral. In fact, Badonovich and Harder were both zero in plus-minus, which tells you about the uh, the starters in this game and how good they were, but those guys played fine, and they uh, were able to handle the ball in Trey Young's absence and have six, six assists between the two of them. That's just fine as well. To the starters, we'll save Trey for the end. Um, Gallinari, just fine, 13 points, four rebounds, three assists in 24 minutes. Always took six shots, got to the line four times, a very Gallinari night, plus 31. John Collins played 18 minutes, through three quarters, he had played 13 minutes, which is crazy, but he had some he had some foul trouble, had four fouls in this game, still played very well, 14 points, four rebounds in 18 minutes. You can't really ask for much more than that. He finished everything. It was good to see Trey and John Collins find their uh, pick-and-roll chemistry that they've always had, but they hadn't uh, showed a ton of that preseason, so that, that's definitely locked in again after what we saw today. Um, DeAndre Hunter, 11 points in 26 minutes. was 5-6 on the floor, 1-1 from 3. Kind of just did DeAndre Hunter stuff. Played well, three three rounds and an assist. Uh, he was plus forty, by the way, which is a um, yes, not a misprint. Plus forty. The Hawks' uh, PR team sent so, so this along, but that's a franchise high since at least two thousand two, two thousand three for the Hawks. Is I guess that's as far as they can go back with plus minus stats. But that's you know almost twenty years, and plus forty is the franchise record for um, for that category. So, shout out to DeAndre Hunter for some uh, history on this evening. Uh, Cam Reddish played very well. I thought fifteen points. Six rebounds, two steals, plus twenty-seven in twenty-four minutes. Um, as usual, Cam had two or three plays that will make you scratch your head when he just tries to do too much. But that, that's not the worst thing in the world. He was he was aggressive. I think defensively, he's uh, he's always a pest in the, in the best possible way. And he really sort of, he sort of flashed some stuff. A couple of really nice drives, good cuts, and um, some smooth three-point shooting. Uh, I know he only, he only took three, but they all look good and confident to me. So I thought he played very well. And then finally, Trey Young. As I said before, his first half was just like an absolute. Um, maestro performance. But ended this game with 37 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds in 26 minutes. 10 of 12 from the floor, 5 of 6 from 3, 12 12 of 14 from the free throw line. You know, what are you going to say? Uh, 37 points in 26 minutes is great under any circumstances, but only 12 shot attempts from the floor. He was hyper-efficient. Again, in total control of everything. He absolutely eviscerated Kobe White. um, Really on both ends of the floor. I think Trey was not like incredible game-changer defensively, but I thought he played pretty well defensively for him, and then just the fact that he was basically throwing a no-hitter in the first three quarters of this game. Uh, what else are you going to say? This is the high watermark mark for him so far. Uh, obviously, you can't bake on this happening every night, but I'm on record as saying I think Trey's going to be um, an all-NBA guy this year, that kind of level of play, and he showed it in this game. Um, again, I was not worried, and, and I said this on the podcast, I was not worried at all, but he did struggle in the preseason, and I guess you'd have to throw that out completely. Like There's no rhyme or reason, but uh, I think he was like as bad as he's been in quite some time. Those games did not matter, and it was very obvious that he didn't really care as much. I mean, I'm not sure if it was just effort or what, but he, he, didn't, he didn't play very well. In this game, though, that's all gone. Uh, he was very, very good in this game, and uh, I will leave it there for now. i probably do another half hour on Trey Young's performance in this game, but let's just say that uh, it, was, it was incredibly impressive what he was able to do on this night. So... That will do it for the individual portion of the podcast. I will just look ahead briefly to the rest of the week. This will be the final show that I do until after Christmas because of the break and the holiday. I'm not going to do another pod on Christmas Eve, so my apologies on that. Um, I usually am here for 45 shows a week. This is the fourth show of the week, so n- no problems there. I have not tried to uh, underperform in this spot, but it is, it is Christmas, so I'm taking the day off tomorrow. Um, I will have a podcast, though, after the game on Saturday. The Hawks go to Memphis, where they do not play particularly well in the preseason, and uh, Pierce has acknowledged multiple times that that's uh, it's been a tough matchup for them in the last year and a half or so. So that'll be a good test for the Hawks against a Grizzlies team that is talented. They have John Morant, of course. That's the headline matchup is Young versus Morant, who was also, by the way, job was great tonight. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch that game, but I saw a couple of the highlights and he, and his stats, and he was uh, very good as well. So that'll be a high-profile showdown. It's a five o'clock p.m. Eastern time tip-off, so kind of a weird time slot in that one. But uh, yeah. Hawks Grizzlies on Saturday. I will have a new podcast after that game. I have, a schedule, I have a scheduled guest to join me on Sunday to wrap up both these first two games with some broader stuff. And then the Hawks come home on Monday for the opener, and I will be in the building for that one. So, plenty to get to on the podcast. But please, please, please subscribe to the show. Please tell a friend. I've always, I've honestly enjoyed this entire hiatus period. It's been nine months. It's been kind of crazy to talk about. Nothing at times, tons of draft stuff for agency, offseason, but now that we're here, we're in games, we're in We're in a groove, and please subscribe to the podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining me on the show. All right, we'll see you all um, after the game on Saturday. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, if you, if you celebrate that holiday, and uh, the NBA slate is jam-packed, so we'll all we'll enjoy, enjoy that one together. Check out betonline.ag, check out all of our sponsors, and we'll see you after the game on Saturday.